0: Enjoy the message. Hi, welcome or welcome back. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. For those that may be new, my name is Nestor Flores, and I pray that the following message would bless your life. I pray that it helps you to devote to God more and more, that it increases your knowledge and understanding of Scripture even more. But most importantly, I pray that it transforms your life. And I am confident, not because I'm preaching, but I am confident in God's Word because it is true and alive that that will happen if you pay attention and just open your heart. You know, today, I want to start with an exercise. And no, I'm not going to ask you to do jumping jacks or push-ups or or anything physical. I want you to do an exercise with me because I believe that it's going to set a foundation for today's message. I want you to try to do something without using your thumbs. Whether it is trying to tie your shoe or maybe grabbing or drinking a cup of water or opening a soda can or sending a text. If you're watching this on phone, don't do that. Pick something else. Or maybe trying to comb your hair or if you're eating, uh, using a fork or a spoon without using your thumbs. Go ahead. I'll give you a few minutes. Go ahead and try it. Come on. Even if you're in public, try to do something without using your thumbs. I'll give you a few seconds. Have you done it yet? Come on. There's a reason for doing it. If you haven't done it, be obedient. Participate. Go do it. Do it. Try it. Try something else. If you tried one thing, try try another thing. Well, how was it? Gives you a whole different appreciation for your thumbs, doesn't it? You know, they may be fat and short, but they sure do make life better. They sure do make a big difference. We often take them for granted and we don't think about them throughout the day. But listen, they're important. You know, figurative speaking, figuratively speaking, okay, many people today go through life without thumbs. I'm not talking about physical thumbs. They go through life without thumbs because the enemy has managed to cut off their thumbs. And because he has, they can't live the life that God meant for them. They experience defeat in many areas where God has given them victory. Those things that should be easy because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us become things that are impossible, that cause frustration and shame and anger in our life. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So let's pray, then we'll jump into God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word tonight. Father, as we approach you, even though we're at home, We know, Lord, that we can still honor you by being at home, giving you our attention. We know that you can still move and transform our lives, even though we're at home, Lord. And that is my prayer. Give us wisdom and understanding. But most importantly, Lord, transform our lives. I thank you for every person that is watching. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know what their need is. But I know that you care and you can do something about it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to start by reading a story to you that is found in the book of Judges, chapter 1. And we're going to read from verses 1 to 7. And if you don't have your Bibles and you want to go grab it, go grab it. Uh, if you want to just follow along with the screen, that's fine. If you want to use your phone, if you're watching this on TV and you want to use your phone, that also works. But look at what Judges, verses 1 through 7, say. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, which tribes should go first To attack the Canaanites. The Lord answered, Judah, for I have given them victory over the land. The men of Judah said to their relatives from the tribe of Simeon, Join with us to fight against the Canaanites living in the territory allotted to us. Then we will help you conquer your territory. So the men of Simeon went with Judah. Verse 4. When the men of Judah attacked, the Lord gave them victory over the Canaanites and Parasites and they killed 10,000 enemy warriors at the town of Bessek. While at Besek, they encountered King Adonai Besek and fought against him and the Canaanites and Parasites were defeated. Now look at verse 6 and 7. These are the key verses. Adonai Bessek escaped, but the Israelites soon captured him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adonai Besek said, I once had 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off, eating from scraps from under my table. Now God has paid me back for what I did to them. They took him to Jerusalem and he died there. Let me tell you a little bit of the context of what's going on here. The people of Israel have finally entered and taken possession of the promised land that God had promised and, and given to their ancestors. When the Israelites first entered the promised land, this is recorded in Joshua 1 through 12, they united as one army, they united as one person to crush the inhabitants, to crush the enemies of the land to the point where they were too weak to fight back. After that they had done that, They divided, they allotted certain places to each tribe. And and that is recorded in Joshua 13 through 24. But after that, each tribe was responsible to continue to fully defeat, to fully expel the enemies out of their own territory. And that is where the book of Judges picks up. That is the story that the book of Judges continues. And we read in the very first chapter that they went to the Lord and they said, who shall go first? And God says, Judah. And Judah was supposed to defeat the Canaanites in the territory allotted to them. Now, the Canaanites were all the people. They were composed of different um, groups of people. And that The Canaanites were all the people that live in the promised land. And one of the reasons that the Canaanites were so difficult to conquer was that each city had to be defeated individually. Each city had its own government, its own army, its own laws. There was not one single king that could be defeated in order to take possession of the whole kingdom. You know, this reminds me, and I think it's important that we stop that God's promises are not obtained overnight, that they're not a once and done thing, that it's a process, that it's a journey. So if, you're, if God has promised something to you and you're still waiting for it, don't give up. God will do it one step at a time, one day at a time, one decision at a time. But God will do it. Now, we know from historical context that the Canaanite people were wicked and evil people. They were cruel. They were idolatrous. For example, the religion that they practiced exalted diabolical attributes, such as sexual immorality and greed and materialism. And one specific one was cruelty in war. And it is in the verses that we just read in Judges 1, 1 through 7, that we find an example of the kind of cruelty of war that they practice. Adonai Besek. Which means Lord of Besek or the king of that area, he practiced cutting the thumbs of the hands and feet of the kings that he would conquer. Now, Adonai Besek would do this, would do the cutting of thumbs on the hands and feet for two reasons. One, to humiliate them, to humiliate them as individuals, to humiliate them as kings, to humiliate them as a kingdom. But the second thing that he would do, the second reason he would do it is to be able to incapacitate them them so that they wouldn't be able to fight for their kingdom, so that they wouldn't be able to do common everyday things, you know, without thumbs on their hands. They were unable to pick up a sword or a spear or a bow to to be able to defend themselves. These kings were defenseless without thumbs on their feet. They didn't have good mobility. They didn't have good balance. They couldn't run well. And see, these kings were humiliated and put in a position where they could do nothing about their circumstance. They went from kings to slaves. They went from an abundant life to crumbs. They went from a position of power to now disability. They went from enjoying freedom to now captivity. They went from enjoying and experiencing delight to now, misery. Now, I tell you this, and here's here's where you gotta lean in. Here's where you gotta pay attention. So if you're checking Facebook, if you're texting, don't miss this. I believe the Holy Spirit has something powerful to say to us tonight. Satan has successfully humiliated and incapacitated many people today. He has managed, figuratively speaking, to cut, the thumbs of many individuals. And these individuals without thumbs are people who can't live free, who can't enjoy life, who don't have good health, who don't have a good marriage, who don't have unity in their families, who don't have healthy relationships, who are unable to love themselves or love others, who cannot serve God, who cannot pursue, who cannot embrace God's promises for them because the enemy has managed to cut their thumbs off. See, the reason I asked you to do the exercise at the beginning is because without these puppies right here, There's many things we can't do. And the enemy, figuratively speaking, spiritually speaking, and in some ways, practically speaking, has cut the thumbs of many people. And see, the Word of God tells us the following about Satan. Look at what he says in 1 Peter 5.8. You may be uh, familiar with this verse. Peter says, Stay alert. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy... The devil. He says, stay alert, watch out for this guy. And then in Ephesians, Paul tells the church in Ephesus, he says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Give no foothold. Give no room. Why? Because when we do, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And see, we are not to ignore our enemy. We are not to take him lightly because if we do, he'll cut off our thumbs. Now, you may be wondering, well, Pastor, how exactly is it that the enemy has managed to cut the thumbs of many people? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me give you just a few ways. The first way that the enemy cuts the thumbs of many people is in the area of sex. In pornography, adultery, prying eyes, morbid minds. You know, it's so sad that the majority of Christians do not reach marriage with sexual purity. I, I, I looked online and, and polls uh, or statistics tell us that 68% of Christian men view pornography on a regular basis. 65% of Christians will have an affair before they're even 40. Not to mention the rate of divorce that exists in the Christian community. So sex is one of the ways. But the second way that the enemy manages to cut off the thumbs of many people is through materialism. There's many people in the kingdom of God who are not kingdom people, but they're work people. They're consumed by their work. They live to work. They will not admit it, and they will even be offended if you mention it. But work is their Lord. Work is their top priority. And not so much because they enjoy their work. I'm sure many of them do. I love my job. But the reason we are enslaved, the reasons we give such high priority to our work is because of money. The love of money. It it allows us to be able to have possessions. And see, loving money, loving possessions, being materialistic has cost many people their relationships, their marriage, their kids, their friends, their church family has cost many people their calling. They've forsaken God's will and gone after their desires. For many, it has cost them their health. It has cost them their joy. They have things. They have a good job. They have a good bank account. But they have no peace. They have no joy. You know, let me remind you that many times we think that the enemy comes to kill and destroy by only bringing calamity and destruction. But I want you to know that the enemy often kills and destroys by giving us a good thing as long as it keeps us from God's best. The enemy will give you a business if it keeps you from pursuing God's calling in you. The enemy will give you a raise if it keeps you from being involved in God's kingdom. So materialism causes the, uh, allows the enemy to, to cut off our thumbs. The third is hypocrisy. Right? It is one of the things that non-Christians complain about. Christians, we're hypocrites. We're different people in different places. In church, we put on a facade, we put on a show, but then at home, we're something else. The things that we sing about on Sunday are not the things that we live throughout the week. We are light in the street, but we're darkness in our house. In many cases, there's sin in the life of people. There's sin that they practice and that they even excuse it. And hypocrisy cuts off our thumbs and, and it robs us from all that God wants for us, you know? There's many people who believe the lie that they are better than they are. They don't think they are as bad. And the enemy has, has been able to deceive them and they're deceiving themselves. And on the other extreme, you have people who, who have believed the lie that they are worse than they actually are. They, they're believing the lies of the enemy then, and they're not embracing the truth of their identity in Christ hypocrisy, a lack of consistency between what we believe, what we profess, what we sing, what we preach, and how we live. But the, the other way that the enemy cuts off our thumbs is through comfort. We often look at, we often look out for what is easy and not for what is right or good. We often do what makes us happy and not what makes us holy. Come on, somebody ought to tweet that. Somebody, like Pastor Ruben says, somebody ought to post that. We do what makes us happy, what's comfortable, what's easy, and not what makes us holy. Let me ask you a question. What does God want you to do? What makes you feel good or what makes you holy? Of course what makes us holy. And being holy doesn't mean we're miserable. James talks about the perfect law that leads to freedom. And see, for many people, their choices are guided by their desires, their desire to be comfortable, their desire for easy things than their desire for God's will. The other way that the enemy cuts off our thumb is through failure. right? We try things and they don't go the way we expect them. And then we let failure define how we see ourselves, define how we feel about ourselves, define what we uh, believe about ourselves. And many people have been incapacitated and humiliated by the enemy because they failed. Let me tell you, we're all going to fail. We're all going to fail. And failure is part of growth. Failure is part of our journey in in learning what doesn't work and what does work. And the last way that the enemy humiliates and incapacitates people is through trauma. The loss of a loved one. Whether it's a child, a sibling, a family member, a mom or a dad. You know, for some people, trauma looks like in the form of they were abused, they were raped, or they were in a tragic accident, or they lost everything overnight. These events, they come, and they bring such trauma into our lives that when we don't filter them and process them through the truth of God's Word, they can lead us to being humiliated, feeling humiliated and incapacitated. Now, these are just some of the means that Satan manages to cut off the thumbs of many people. And again, he does it for two reasons, right? To disable and to humiliate, to embarrass. See, because if he disables you, then you can't fight for yourself. You can't fight for others. And if you can't fight for others, you know what you end up doing? You end up succumbing to the addiction you end up giving up on your dreams. You end up fighting with others instead of fighting for them. You fight with your wife instead of fighting for her. You fight with your parents instead of fighting for them. You fight with your kids instead of fighting for them. You fight God's dreams instead of fighting for God's dreams. And you fight God. You fight against God instead of fighting for God. So he incapacitates them but he also embarrasses them. And and when this happens, you, you live in darkness with no purpose. You live in misery with no joy. You live in shame with no vitality in your life. But see there's good news. There's good news, right? And I wanted to set the reality of of the sadness of the tragicness of, of many people, but but the good news, the good news is that there's an answer, is that there's a solution and that that answer is in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. Change is possible no matter how many how long you've been living with thumbs cut off, no matter how tragic uh the enemy's work has been in your life, you can make a cut Comeback thanks to Jesus. And that's why I've titled today's message, Make a Comeback. Because you can, if you're defeated, if, 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 you, if you are living in misery, if you're living in embarrassment, if you're living incapacitated, I want you to know that you don't have to keep living that way. That you don't have to remain in despair and shame. That you can fight back. That you can take back what the enemy has taken and that you can make a comeback. Let me prove it to you. Let's read Luke 6, verses 6 through 11. If you have your Bible, would you open it? Let's read it together. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand. Now notice that. It wasn't just a thumb. In this case, it was a hold hand. The hold hand was useless, was incapacitated. It was a disgraceful situation. Luke says that on a Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand. The most useful hand. Most people are, are uh, they use their right hand, right? This person was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely as he healed the man's hand. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? He looked around at them one by one and then said to the man. And while this conversation is going on, Jesus uh, has the man standing in front of everyone. And he says, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was what? restored. It was healed. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. If the enemy has managed to incapacitate, to humiliate you, to cut off your thumbs, I want to tell you that Jesus can restore you, that Jesus can heal you, that Jesus can give you the victory that the enemy has taken from you, that you can make a comeback because of Jesus Christ. Now, how? Well, I want to focus on the two things that Jesus tells the man with the shrivel or deformed hat. To make a comeback, let's look at those two things that Jesus says to him. The first thing that he says to this man, he says, come and stand in front of everyone. He said to the man, he said, come and stand in front of everyone. Now, if you have a defect, if you have something that's embarrassing to something that is not a uh, uh, normal You don't want attention. You don't want the spotlight. You want to hide. You you, you want to keep it secret. You you don't want people to know it. But Jesus tells this man, come and stand and in front of everyone. Let me tell you, to make a comeback, the first thing we got to do is we got to lose shame and fear. As long as the enemy keeps us in fear and in shame, we will not make a comeback. See, we're able to come and stand before others, even when we failed, even when we've sinned, even when we are getting what we deserve, we can come and stand because there's forgiveness and grace for us because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Whatever the enemy has used to enslave you, to incapacitate you, Jesus has paid the price for your freedom and for your victory. See, Jesus invites this man to come and stand because his willingness to come and stand meant he was willing and he desired change. If we want to make a comeback, we need to embrace change. See, change your disposition. Change from, from not wanting to people to know, which they already know. We don't lie. We don't deceive anybody. They already know. Change your disposition from being ashamed, from being embarrassed, from wanting to stay in the shadows to saying, I want to be restored. I want to get back what the enemy has taken from me. But it, uh, the second change that it also involves is a change of what we're focused on. See, you won't come forward and stand in front of everyone if your focus is on your hand. But if your focus is on Jesus, let me tell you, then it's a lot easier. When you hear the loving voice, when you hear the love of Jesus saying, come, stand, I'm going to bring a comeback, but I need you to come out of your shame. I need you to come out of your cave. I need you to come out of your misery. Come, it's a lot easier. Listen, Adonai Besek had won at least 70 times. He had defeated 70 kings. But on his 71st battle, he finally was defeated. And I don't know how many times you've lost, but let me tell you, your next battle, if it's fought with Jesus at your side, you will get victory. Say enough is enough. I'm not going to live with a broken marriage. I'm not going to live in addiction. I'm not going to live with the shame, with this trauma. I'm not going to live for things that that are temporary. Enough is enough. I'm making a comeback and in God's in God's power it is made perfect in my weakness. The second thing that he says to this man that, that will lead us to a comeback is that he says, Hold out your hand. So Jesus calls this man forward, right? And then he has this argument with with the Pharisees, the teachers, you know, because they had all these uh, man-made rules about the Sabbath and they had made the Sabbath more important than people. And Jesus came to say, no, listen, people are more important than the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for people, not people for, for, for the Sabbath. And as they're having this whole dialogue, this man is standing in front of them. And the next thing that he says to him, He says, hold out your hand. Now, here's what that means. First, we come out of our pity. We come out of our shame. We come out of our cave. We come out of our mess. We stand and we go before Jesus. But the second thing that we do, the second thing we need to do to make a comeback is we got to obey in faith. Jesus did this all the time and he's not going to stop doing it with you and with me. With this man was stretch out your your hand. With another individual that he healed, he said, get up and take your bed and walk. To another one, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. To another one, he said, go for your faith has healed you. We got our thumbs cut off because we disobeyed God. And the way we're going to make a comeback, the way we're going to be restored, the way we're going to get victory, again is when we obey God and we will have to obey God in faith see Jesus asked this man to do something that I'm sure he had tried before you don't think this man had tried before to use his hand to stretch out his hand he had a shriveled deformed hand and Jesus asked him to do something that I'm sure he had already tried and maybe you're saying well you know sometimes the things that I sense the Holy Spirit telling me to do we've tried we've gone to counseling we've we've tried to get involved we tried being generous we tried serving We, we, we we we've tried not working as much, but it doesn't work. Let me tell you, here's the difference. When Jesus gives the command, that is the difference maker. That what was different about this time is that every other time the man had tried to stretch out his hand, he had done it in his own power. This time, Jesus was giving him the command to do it. Reminds me of the time when, when the disciples went out fishing all night. They were fishing and they caught nothing. And Jesus appears to them early in the morning and he tells them, throw your net on the other side. And one of them says, but you know, we've been fishing all night and we've caught nothing. In other words, Jesus, we're the professionals here, not you. But he says, he says because you've said so we will do it to make a long story short the Bible tells us that their nets almost burst from all the fish that they caught simply because Jesus gave the word and they obeyed in faith see when this man stretched out his hand obeying Jesus his hand was restored and it wasn't restored halfway it was fully restored and it takes faith to obey. It takes faith to please God. And many of us don't obey because we don't see what we want to see at the moment. But If you obey in faith, you will see what God has promised. You would get your victory. If your thumbs have been cut off, It's going to take faith and a lot of obedience, not a just one Sunday thing, not a just one time thing. Well, you know, pastor, I had this conversation with my kid and no, you got to keep having You got to keep loving them. You got to keep giving. You got to keep forgiving. You got to keep going. You got to keep trying. You got to keep seeking because as you obey, not just the one time, but you obey in faith, it is only a matter of time before you see what God has for you. So there you have it. That's the good news of Jesus. That's why I love him. That's why he's my savior. That's why he's the desire of my life. Because no matter what the enemy has taken, in Jesus, you can make a comeback. So I want to encourage you. I don't know what the enemy has used to cut off your thumbs. There's nothing outside of Jesus that is worthwhile. There's no other answer. Anything you try to do to hide the shame, to hide your sad reality, it doesn't work. That only makes it worse. So why not come to Jesus? And for those of you, for those of us that maybe our thumbs haven't been cut off because we've been persistent, I encourage you, stay strong. Stay strong. There is nothing better than what Jesus offers us, the lies of the enemy, are lies and deception. Stay strong. Hang on to Jesus. Walk in victory. Live in victory. I want to pray for you. If you are one of the individuals that maybe you say, Pastor, you know, I hate to admit it, but I'm going to stand and I'm going to come before Jesus because I do have a shriveled hand. I do have my thumbs cut off. I do have a sex problem. I do have a materialism problem. I do have, uh, uh, you know, a laziness problem, whatever it is. I want to pray for you. I want you to know that there's no condemnation in Jesus. There's grace, there's forgiveness, there's power, because the shame and the punishment that you and I deserve, he already paid for it. So I want to invite you right there where you are. Would you have an intimate time with God? Would you make this your encounter with Jesus? I believe that today, things can change for you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for everyone, and Lord, this includes me, because there's areas in my life that I need to continue to fully surrender to you. Whether it is in my attitude, my thoughts, or Lord, uh, some things that I may uh, believe, Lord. Lord, I pray that if the enemy is defeating us, that if the enemy has managed to incapacitate us, to handicap us, to humiliate us, to embarrass us, to rob us of all that you have. I pray that today. Today we will hear your sweet voice saying come and stand. And that we would obey in faith. As you tell us go. As you tell us do. As you tell us be. As you tell us let go. Whatever your command is. That we would obey it in faith. And Lord that today would be the day. That marks the beginning of our comeback. Where we no longer live in, in defeat but where we begin to enjoy the victory that you've already bought for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before I let you go, I just want to let you know this past Sunday, we uh, talked, I preached uh, a sermon called Rebuilding Our Lives, and it's a campaign that we're going to be doing for the remaining of the year. We're going to focus on rebuilding our lives. I mentioned that we're not coming back to normal. There's nothing normal after all we've lost and after everything that has changed but we can rebuild and we can rebuild with God's help and we can rebuild something beautiful and we can rebuild something glorious. So this coming Sunday, this Sunday, we're going to begin the first series that's part of this campaign because we're going to rebuild four things. If you didn't listen to that message, go back. You can find it on YouTube, Facebook, or even our podcast. The first thing we're going to rebuild is the altar. And this Sunday, I'm going to start a new series called altars that bless. The altar is the place where we personally encounter God, the place where our lives are transformed, the places where we honor God. I want to invite you, come join us, bring somebody with you. I know it's summer, the beach is enticing, but let's give God the first place in our life. spring and church is better with you, not without you. So I hope to see you this Sunday. May you have a great rest of your week. I love you, and may His peace guard your hearts and mind in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus name, amen. Congratulations, if you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.